And why the fuck are you wasting my two precious hours with your movie? I don't have any bloody use for it. Okay, thanks. When he read it, he had his finger going along. (laughs) (laughs) He put a bookmark up to his phone. (laughs) I had fucking hemorrhoids, and he had to, like, drain them. With his teeth. What does he know? He doesn't have any teeth. When they perpetrate uh, crimes on the women, uh, they do it through a sheet. (laughs) (laughs) I cucked myself. Gave it off your phone. I was looking at notes. You're not professional. I'm looking at notes for the fucking show. Not professional. Yeah, I'm, I'm well. here. Uh, well, that's your on time. That's half the battle. You're a definitely not doubly unprofessional. Yeah, you're single unprofessional. Is that yeah. what we're calling it now? Yeah, you're double like, unprofessional. You're the half marshal right. at yeah. this point. It's like almost like you're. Uh, Unprofessionalato. <laughs> what are you even? I don't know. <laughs> did you get it? <laughs> I did. You're on unprofessional people time. Yeah, which I understand. Uh, if we having several unprofessional people on the show. Some people yes. are doubly unprofessional on the show. Yes. The only time I didn't show up is when I was on vacation. Well, I wouldn't call it vacation. You were <laughs> deported. Oh yeah. We can't all call prison vacation right and being separated from your families and put into a uh into a piece of tin foil <laughs> i gotta listen to those episodes i guess no i mean uh you know remember those pictures of the kids getting separated their families in the at the border and they were all wrapped up in those like those like space age blankets so were they like just big brown baked potatoes apparently yeah <laughs> but um yeah marshall was uh picked up by ice today and uh, we thought we'd work something out with Trump, but uh, apparently... Uh, Negotiations have thus far fallen through. Right. Well, I, I heard they had a flat on the way there, so like maybe he'll, he'll escape. His grandfather. Yeah, his grand... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, actually, that's the thing. Marshall's uh, as the secret love child of um, Marshall's mother and, and oh, <laughs> Trump. I'm going to have to cut this out. I wasn't supposed to get out there. I know, yeah. But that's why he was deported. That's why he originally um, took the deal for us to switch uh, Gabe back and pull those strings. Because, I mean, Gabe was, you know, a political prisoner. Yeah, but I was a model prisoner, so they let me go. That's true. Of, uh, good behavior. But, yeah, so Marshall's gone again. Um, uh, who knows what he's doing? We thought he was just going to be like an hour and a half late. Yep. You know, that's no big deal. Not the full Par Marshall for treatment. the course. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was going to be Marshall on time. Yeah. yeah. Well, Marsh, you know, yeah. unprofessional people's time. Yes, yes. That's what we like to call it. <laughs> We're politically correct on yeah. this program, so. Um, so, yeah, anyway, so uh, welcome to Cinema Apocalypse Now, show where we talk about movies uh, with your remaining hosts, uh, Scott Lizard Abrams. Gabe Good to his mother, Tasheda. And Big Daddy Don Bodine. Today, when I was uh, on the way home from the train, I noticed a guy who was... Um, like four foot one um but he was like all thugged up and like jacked and i was just like what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing I'm, with I'm, your life? I'm very interested how he was wearing his pants 
because he was can... wearing gym shorts, but he was wearing them in typical black style. But he was white. That's the funny part. Yeah. So like he... I could see a midget. You know, you you know the guy from the Ghetto Boys. So he he was like with Bill, but he, like he was all thugged out. But he, you know, he's a black guy. He had this yeah, cred. He had a right to be he had the cred. Though. So he he's but... from the real ghetto. Yeah. But he was like a juice head midget. Uh, he wasn't particular. I mean, he was definitely like worked out, but he wasn't like jacked. You know what I mean? He, but it's like you already have limited mobility due to your size. Yeah. Size, and then like you're a, gonna stiffen yourself I'm, up. Maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on his height. He was probably like he's shorter than my wife, though. If that makes any like, you know what I mean? Like he was quite she short. She was pretty normal size. Yeah, but a woman though. She was like five three, shorter than that. She's as tall as Dan Glenn Dancy. <laughs> Yeah, no. Then he was five foot four. He was five foot four because he used to brag about being the same exact height as the canon uh, Marvel Wolverine. Is only five foot three the character? Wow. So that's you're right. That's why they he was gonna be he was tapped quote unquote to uh, play play Wolverine. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, Yeah, bullshit. No, it might have been bullshit on his part. He was a big comic book fan. I know. He's like, yeah, I'm a really big nerd and asshole, so maybe they'll like pick me for the movie. Yeah, and I like have like pathetic juiced up muscles. That look like an inflated baby. <laughs> and then remember that like um, toxic sludge website or whatever where like that woman who was a yes, groupie like uh, would like to write their accounts of fucking all of them. Yes. His was his dick is like short him. like him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a short stack of quarters or is that just something we that's added like, on? We made that up. <laughs> yeah. Small stack of quarters and two raisins. Yes. That's that's what that's we, a, we made up. classic us. <laughs> oh man. Is that the same one that said that Henry Rollins' dick was as long as a soup can? Or wide as a soup can? Was oh, it wide? Yes. I, I, thought, I thought it was... Uh, it was the same dimensions as a soup can, or maybe? Uh, I, I remember it not being flattering when Nardwar brought it up. Yeah. It was not a flattering uh, he comment. Was a he was a like fucking asshole to Nardwar, by the way. Yeah. Well, if you fucking bring up that your dick's a soup can... That I wasn't think. what pissed him off. He was pissed off right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm not playing along with this shit. I'm not fucking going along with these dumb questions. I'm better than this. I'm a poet. Family man, family man. So I've been looking at apartments recently, and I looked at this one place, and I talked to the guy, the landlord on the phone, and uh, seemed like a nice guy, but he was Indian. So Uh, I was like, I want to look into this a little bit because (laughs) that sounds bad, but honestly, there's a lot of scams. There's a lot of like overseas scams and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Just send me your information, and you will have an apartment. I swear. Um, So. I looked into this guy and made sure that like his name was actually associated with the... Uh, um, I think I know where this ad- is going, address. but continue. And, and so I end up finding an article, and it says, like, Indian man nabbed in um, a Burlington mass prostitution sting. So I had I had met and, and talked to a guy, because I found out after the fact. Yeah. Um, I had met with the guy who um, apparently had been uh, looking... You know, pay for some sex over the internet, and uh, oh. what's wrong with that? I don't know. I I mean, if I if I had liked the apartment, I would oh, not yeah. have hesitated. Oh, oh yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it smelled like cigarettes, and I didn't like it. But yeah. you know, I would have. You I mean come on? He's just looking for an honest we're buck not, and an honest fuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. On both accounts. Yeah, we're not we're not all lucky. So yeah. you know, some Indians some, um they're like one of the most well performing racial minority groups. In fact, like they're literally technically. Like per capita, the ri- the richest group in America right now. But no one wants to fuck them. Well, yeah, that's I mean, wrong. They also have very small penises. Yes, I do. Well, most of them have arranged marriages, so it doesn't seem to be a problem. Uh, well, he that's not, actually evidently. turning around. Have, you know about all the Romeo calls and shit in in from from in India? 
and like how like like they only basically got dating about like ten years ago. They got it. No, like you know what I mean. That is a crude way of saying it, but that's pretty yeah, much the only you, way I know you know can. You yeah, well, all those like Bob and Vagin. That's what I'm talking those about. Those dudes are like yeah. that's real. I that's know. their game. That's them spitting game. Yeah. If you talk to like a girl who has like like a female comedian say who has like a like a following on Instagram or whatever, like they literally get daily DMs like Bob's and Vagine. Like, I'm not even kidding. And then also like uh, there's this thing called Ro- Romeo calling, where like guys in they basically do fucking um, a happiness with fucking what's his name Philip Seymour Hoffman's thing. Yeah. You look at a phone book. I, I bet you it's less creepy. But they don't jerk off. They just go like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, um, would you like to go out to eat? <laughs> <laughs> they are just like a very socially awkward race. Yeah. Well, what can I say? Well, they're technically Asian, so. I mean, can you think of a more socially awkward race? As a they they have different cultural norms. Yeah, but they're yeah they're very well. Also, if you go behind any Chinese restaurant, you'll see them squatting and smoking. That's not a normal thing that like we would. Well, I wasn't basing my uh, you know judgments of them on the way they say. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, but I'm saying just that I'd be fine. They just do different things. They drink. They all drink hot water. Yeah, American people do that too. Old women really like doing that. It's fucking weird. I'm not saying it's normal. It is weird. Yeah, it's fucking weird, but people do it. People do weird things, Gabe. People pick their noses and eat the boogers, too. All right. This is true. Don't stop talking about Gabe that way. Did you? Yeah. He's in the rub. Speaking of the prostitution (laughs) ring, did you guys hear about the rub and tug? Uh, It was a few months back. I heard about it from you. It was was over over near, you know that flower place uh, across from Shaw's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in that plaza. I actually saw that place place before I knew it was a rub and tug, and I was like, Mm, that has like <laughs> I get that vibe really from it there. oh I know what you're talking about I get that yeah, vibe yeah. from that like place a, I wouldn't be surprised obviously there was a massage parlor yeah, there yeah. and they had <coughs> some probably illegal uh, Asian women in there and they were giving mm-hmm. the old rub and tug I mean if you're like a loser enough to go get a massage like why wouldn't you also pay for a quick well if you were getting off? a massage it's and they said there. hey do you want to do you want to get finished do you want to really enjoy go, this yeah of course yeah. yeah. Well, no. My point is, like, I don't, I don't like fucking strangers touching me at all in a non-sexual way. I don't like anybody touching me <laughs> other than like someone I'm comfortable touching me. Yeah, I'm weird about it. Like, if people like bump me on the train, I'm like, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna fucking mash this I, dude. I did that today, and I was like, why, why did I act so poorly to that? I was at Walmart, and something similar happened where yeah. someone like brushed me. You threatened. I, I killed like, like an 85 year old woman. Like, you fucking motherfucker. Well, no, like, it's just the emotional. I don't say <laughs> anything, but I'll, I'll tense up, be like, like that. I like, thought it through my head, and then I was like, why, why did you do that? I get weird with people touching me. Um, I don't even like the doctor touching me. Well, that's yeah. different. That nobody likes that. I certainly don't. What touching your area? Any area. Your I don't like them touching parts. my fucking. I tense up if they touch my shoulder. Really? It's so clinical. Well, well, he knows what's coming. Yeah. Those cold gloved. Also, hands. I've been really hurt by doctors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is true. Like that fucking. I don't want to get too gutter area, but I had fucking hemorrhoids, and they had to like drain them. With his teeth. Yeah. <laughs> he had to. Uh, I was like, can I get like a fucking one of those like um, uh, tongue depressors to bite on or something? <laughs> like, it really does help if you're like going like that. Like and that while someone's in your ass? Well, he wasn't in my ass. It was kind of coming out of my ass. Mm. So that's what the problem He's was. He's just sitting back there draining out blood, putting a cauterizing with a cigar in his yeah. mouth. <laughs> this will be over in no time, boy. <laughs> I just, oh, still. I saw a Black Klansman. 
Yeah. Which is Spike Lee's new movie. Yeah, you already that? saw it. Yeah. I yeah. I, I, okay? I went and saw it there. It was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. for good he's things. Done, he's done garbage of the last fucking 10 years, so it's final. It's it's Time is nigh that he shits out one good one this this one you know? was this one was pretty good all the way through um it's it's a set piece it's like in the 70s and stuff during, i know i've heard the story the I, I heard the story stuff. about the real guy who it's based off of like i'm sure time. it's a huge exaggeration oh, i'm sure based yeah. on seeing Actually, the movie I'm pretty sure that the real guy he like didn't even really fool that many people so, i mean the, the way they do it in the movie is pretty funny I'm sure it's uh, Spike Lee has some fucking comedic chops. I think the, the guy who plays uh, what's his name, David Duke, the like head KKK member. Yeah. It's fucking played by Doctor David Duke, Gabe. S- excuse me, <laughs> Doctor. Um, it's played by fucking Topher Grace or whatever from uh, that '70s show. Adam Driver is in it from Girls, and he was also yeah, in the I know new Star is. Wars. I know he is. And uh, I actually I heard it was Denzel Washington's son plays the lead in this. So he actually did a pretty good job. He like wraps up the story and you're, you're like, all right, that was a pretty good movie. You know, it's like kind of a black comedy too, even though I think some of the things I thought was funny that probably weren't meant to be jokes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Gran Torino. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, but uh, he ropes in and it's like, and today America is still racist oh, at the uh, end. Shut up, it's Spike Lee. It's, we get it. It's completely tagged on at the end. They show that. They show the video of them marching with the tiki torches. They show, like, Trump talking and then, like, people hitting protesters with cars. We're all here. We all know. By the way, this is my time to fucking show my power level a little bit. That bitch didn't get... She didn't die from fucking getting hit by the car. She, in fact, wasn't directly struck by the car. And she was a big fat pig and had a heart attack because a bunch of people were trampling her. And the mother said on TV, being interviewed, said, my daughter died of a heart attack. And it's also listed as her um, actual cause, cause of, of death, death on the papers. So, like, that no, whole well, narrative of him this, running her over is bullshit. Spike Lee movie, and uh, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Sorry. I doubted the great Mookie. <laughs> <laughs> That's... I mean, it I like is that a movie. Is I love that movie. Oh, yeah. uh, that and um, uh, uh, Jungle Fever is pretty I like good. Jungle Fever. I like yeah. Jungle Fever, I've never too. seen that one. It's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> Fucking Frank Vincent is hilarious in it. <laughs> I, I like Do the Right Thing. Um, yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. That's probably How could best. you ever say that, Nay? Um, yeah, I think I've only seen those two, though. But, and then the ones that suck. But it's I've like, mm-hmm. like he left me with like, oh, that was like, you know, it's a, a modern movie. I didn't hate it. And it was I, funny. I liked it pretty much throughout. Entertaining. And then funny. he just decided to soil it with that. Because mm-hmm. it really just soured the movie. Yeah. It's like juxtaposed to like the whole movie. They were just mm-hmm. like, oh, by the way, still racist, blah, 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 blah. It was also, so tacked like, on at the end. Oh, oh. and then, then they show an uh, American flag upside down and it like fades to black and white. Like, oh, like, oh you really you really nailed it home there. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, pretty, pretty subtle. Oh, Jesus Christ. But yeah, no, I mean... It's whatever, though, because uh, fucking, um, like, Spike Lee, Spike Lee. You can't expect him not to be Spike Lee. Yeah, but I didn't think it would be, like, a Michael Moore on the nose how he did it. Oh, end. no, he's way better than Michael Moore. Michael Moore is trash. Those, he's, he made one good movie, which is Roger and me. I think we're dis- we're, no. we're the same one. Which one? No, are you I, like, I actually like Bowling for Columbine. I know I it's... It's not just. I know. I know. He's, also, it's no. It's manipulative, but it's. Yeah. It's a well-made movie and it's entertaining. I guess. I like the part where they mention like fucking George Bush. <laughs> you know. I guess the like the Charlton Heston part was pretty fucked up. Like the Is way they it? did that. What did he do? What I mean, it was a 
it was a fucking ambush interview. What could yeah. what could he have done? No, I, I think they like lied about who they were and why they came there, and also they cut yes. it cut it around to make him look like yes, an asshole. That's but what like I'm that's how he makes movies. Like all of his films, it's extremely manipulative. Yeah. So how about that movie we watched? Yeah, the adaptation. What year was it? Two thousand two. Two thousand two. Wow, that was a lot longer ago than I thought it was going to be. But um, it is the uh, the sophomore film of Charlie Kaufman, the uh, writer of whose debut film was being, uh, being John, John Malkovich, Malkovich. <clears throat> which is how I, for the first person... Wait, uh, first, so that's the director, too? No. Yeah. No, no, he wrote Spike it. Jones directed. Spike Jones directed both. Okay, but um, so the screenplay writer... Charlie Kaufman, yes. Charlie Kaufman, and the main character is... Charlie yes. Kaufman. It's yes. about okay. That's what I was asking. Yes, yes, yes. He wrote himself into the plot. We'll get into all this and stuff later, but they say it in the movie too. Yeah. So basically, uh, it's the true, somewhat true story of the process of which Charlie Kaufman, the screenwriter, was asked to write an adaptation of a real life book called The Orchid Thief yes. by Susan Orlean. So it's a real book called The Orchid Thief. And it's really the plot of this film, to a degree. Well, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. You, we'll get to that. Yes. Nick Cage can't do it. I don't know how how he's supposed to do it. Yes. Anyway, so um, the real book we should just say ahead of time is the story of the trial of a man named John LaRoche, um, who was a horticulturist from Southern Florida, who had a famous trial against the state of Florida for poaching rare orchids and several other varieties of flower from a uh, state wild preserve by using the loophole of hiring Indian Native Americans, Native Americans who were legally allowed who legally allowed to do whatever they wanted to based off of legal precedent where a chief um, killed a Florida panther and got off. That's the legal precedent he cited in order to get off. As a horticulturist, he was able to... Um, clone them and create like uh you know reproduce them over and over again uh in order to like make it open to the market whereas there's no commercial avenue of creating these flowers because they're only available in the wild it's an endangered species too so by taking one you're actually endangering the species overall even though you're you may possibly be able to regenerate them in order to like create them in a, in a commercial market so yeah, that's the story of the the actual story, and it's from there. And, that's pretty much all that there is in this film. Because you, you definitely get the vibe that this book really had you had no business uh, adapting it into, into a, a film. film. It really didn't. He even yeah. says in the movie like this has no plot. This really doesn't. Yeah. you know, follow a typical you know formula. I did for a film. I did want to check out the book a little bit because I wanted to see if like some of the details about LaRoche's life about how his mother was killed in an accident while he was driving mm -hmm. happened and if his wife left him after that and uh pretty shitty. Yeah, he had a rough deal. Yeah. He had a rough go mm -hmm. in life, LaRoche. And he lost his teeth in that accident too, so he like Again, that might be all fiction. We don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, it ended up looking pretty funny though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, He's just missing all. <laughs> yeah, the that's guy, the only ones you really need. We saw. How did they do that? Was it that really like? I feel like he was. Was that like an actor that you've seen in anything else? Because I yeah, feel he like, was actually really famous from westerns in the eighties. He had been in a, a series like, of westerns. I feel like I might have seen him in something else, but I, have I to looked look it good. up. He won the Oscar for this performance, by the way. Oh, did he really? And a supporting actor. Yeah. Because oh. yeah, it, it felt real. His missing teeth. But I, I thought know. so too. But it may have been like a he kind of like a big. 
like a thing in his mouth that it made didn't... him have fake front teeth and those like yeah up it's possible it didn't look like that but you could always have he could always have partials mm-hmm. and take him out true like I you guess. know how uh yeah, this is a great uh film to to just compare it to but you know how jim carrey that chip in his tooth yep. and dumb and dumber mm-hmm. that's real yeah yeah, yeah. So anyway, the the plot largely doesn't concern that, right? And it's more about uh, the experience of Charlie Kaufman, the screen real life screenwriter, attempting to adapt this book into a screenplay film, and um, other foibles that occur that happen to him during the process of the writing of it. Well, we should get into the fact that um, he has a twin brother. Oh yes, that's important. Yes, yes. And who's like leeching off of him the whole at uh, the beginning? I like how every time you see him, especially in the beginning, he's just like laying on his back. I was gonna on the say, ground. I thought that that was like pretty deliberate symbolism, where <laughs> oh, yeah. like he was above him at that point. Yeah, and like throughout the movie, as his like rise, You're in, right? In yeah, the industry or whatever, he started to be standing upright. But mm-hmm. most of the time, you see him in the and beginning. And then later, you see Charlie is sitting most of the time while talking. To he's him too. laying on the ground eating and like laughing and like patting his stomach yeah. <laughs> he crawls into his into charlie's bedroom to tell him something about oh, yeah. actually to tell him that his mom liked his his uh story for his, his screenplay yeah, yeah. His pitch, yeah. <laughs> and then he actually says something funny like uh you know mom she's uh like uh she's got great prose or something like that like <laughs> Yeah, as as someone who has written screenplays and has known other people who I would consider to be a, you know, a Donald of yes, sorts, I know I really you're talking I about. identified. Yeah, because the way he comes up with the uh, the screenplays in the beginning, he's kind of like, so it's kind of like this movie meets, and that movie. Yes, Psycho meets yes. like Silence of the Lambs. And yeah, it's like, it okay, just takes already, little pieces of things. You're you already know, off piecemeal. to a bad start. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I didn't make that connection until now, but yes, that's very apt. That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. Well, no, I obviously knew Donald was a hack. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty evident, but um Some anyway. people can't write screenplays. I mean, they can film stuff, but they can't like write screenplays. I don't know anybody like that. No, Let's me move neither. On. Yeah. Um so yeah, basically um Donald is a hack who lives with him uh, and is like mooching off of him for the moment as he's actually riding an initial wave of stardom or not stardom but notoriety because his first original screenplay is being made film. And um in this time Donald has started to write his own screenplay which is like we just said very derivative and it's not it's basically like we said it's like blah 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 meets blah blah blah. It's like the two twins it's like you have like both sides of the coin you have uh, like charlie who is like trying to like have integrity and be artistic yeah. and then you have the character who's just totally like let's cash i want to be commercial like yeah. you know how do you get a screenplay sold i'll you know put anything in my screenplay that'll get it sold but they have opposite like um like social skills yes, too. Yes. yes and charlie's like really introverted and like he's like terrible with women yeah i mean yeah. like it's kind of like a yin and yang thing going with the twins you even identify him to a degree but then it's a, when it hits a certain point you're like oh my god this guy fucking sucks like charlie i mean yeah like you identify with him like until until the point where he's like literally like throwing away opportunities and like just acting self-destructive for the sake of it to, to indulge in his own like misery 
To go back on uh, happiness, uh, I feel like Philip Seymour Hoffman could have played uh, Charlie pretty well. He would have been good as, yeah. as far as like the. He actually. This is a side note, of the course. Self-deprecating, like sexually frustrated, feeling inadequate. Oh, I'm fat and I'm balding and yeah. all this. Um, interestingly, that you mentioned that um, uh, Charlie Kaufman's directorial debut, Cinderella, New York, stars Philip Seymour Hoffman. Nice. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that yet. It's terribly good. It makes me sick, but I'll, it's like a pretty good movie. That's, that's yeah, that's what yeah. I've heard. I really don't want to watch it again, and I've watched it twice. I said <laughs> that for after the first time I watched it, I said I don't want to watch this. Is again. it for like the same reasons you wouldn't want to watch Happiness again? Or is no, it... like, it's to that to a definite certain degree. There's certain parts that aspects of it that are revolting, but at the same time, a lot of it is like it's like a fucking emotional roller coaster, is and it? it's also three and a half hours long uh. or something like. <laughs> But go. it's good though. I, I maybe I'd wa- maybe we could watch it. There's so much to talk about in it though. I'm gonna watch it at some point. Yeah, maybe we'll do it for the show then. But um, well, we should maybe talk about how um, it does delve into the story of the writer who is yes. uh, writing the Orchid Thief about um John LaRoche. and um, so we you kind of see like them meeting, and it's sort of the same kind of dynamic with like Charlie and Donald, where it's like you have. Uh, I think her name is Susan. Susan Orlean. Yeah. Real person. Played so by she, uh, Meryl Streep. Oh, Meryl Streep. Yeah. So yeah. she's kind One of... One of her better performances, in my opinion. Yeah. Besides even um, I fucking Kramer versus Kramer. I fucking hate Meryl Streep. I hate her a lot, and too. And what'd you think of her in this role? She, she, likeable, she does it well, but like I feel like every movie she's in, she's just or like, likeable. this is another run for the Oscar. That's how all her no, performances No, I think she was feel. understated in this in a good way. I found her character just to be very unlikable. Yo, I really didn't like her character. I hate her fucking Maybe that's why I don't she like her. Yeah, it's she, because she's a good actress, and she plays a lot of unlikable characters Kramer in movies Kramer vs. Kramer like. is a perfect right. example of this. I fucking hate her. I literally <sighs> hate her as a person now because of how much I hated that character. So, so maybe she's just a great actress, and that's why I fucking hate her. Right, but go on. I what were you be. saying? Well, I'm saying, basically, the same dynamic that Donald and Charlie have um, where... Uh, Susan is basically like she's very dismissive of John and you see she's taking notes and writing like that he has delusions of grandeur and and all this stuff and he's more successful than really she could ever hope to be right in his own right and and it's kind of by his own terms it's kind of the same type of deal where she goes from you know kind of looking down to being like he has something to offer me and right but I think the fact that and we'll get into this later but the fact that she ends up seeing what he really is is like that's that's a satisfying arc for me yeah i can see that but i i I think she goes from being overly dismissive to being like overly like Uh, it's just like oh i need this person like this is or it's like she thinks she he has some sort of like some sort of knowledge that she wants to fit she has some sort of like elusive key which is like Literally, it's that flower that she wants to uh, right. see. What was that? Like a ghost, a ghost orchid. Ghost orchid. She's so desperate to to find that, as if that's going to somehow be the give key her that life meaning or yeah, something. Um, yeah, be the key that like unlocks. Like but she's obviously unfulfilled, and they show this quite extensively that she's unfulfilled in her marriage. Yes, she's surrounded in a phony like atmosphere. She's this one part where she's sitting at a party, and they're all going. Oh, it's all very New Yorkery. By the way, she works mm. for the New Yorker. And uh, then she goes to the bathroom, and then her face just goes flush, and yeah. she's like staring at herself in the mirror, and just going like, "What the fuck am I doing?" Exactly. Like, so yeah, you can really see her like putting all of her hope into into LaRoche, mm-hmm. and like give like ascribing to something that he doesn't even have. He's like a happy person almost, 
uh, just it being successful in whatever shitty venture he's doing at the time, mm-hmm. and she's she's more covets that the fact that he's satisfied with his life, yeah, definitely. rather than yeah. rather than what she she keeps describing it to maybe the orchids. Yeah, or, it's got to be some specific attainable, tangible thing, right? Or like, or she then later she even ascribes it to like his obsession over things. Yeah, I want to be able to feel that like obsession, which is funny too, because then there's that part where he's like literally just he dispels all of that notion, and you can even see in her face afterwards like she's kind of deflated. Yeah, um, he's like he's like seventeen years ago I was obsessed with tropical fish. I had yeah. ten tanks in my house in my apartment. And uh, and then one day I just said, Couldn't fuck, stand fish. Yep. Yeah, fuck fish. Fuck yep. fish. And then, by the way, I also want to mention, did you notice that throughout the, the entire movie, he's wearing an aquarium company's hat? I didn't notice I that. I didn't notice that either. No. Yeah. And it's just like, that's fucking great that mm-hmm. they mentioned, they actually got that detail in. And it's like, you can really see that that's someone, it's, it's a really beaten, worn hat, too. He's been wearing it for years. So you can really see how that might be a relic of one of his earlier obsessions. Mm-hmm. But really, he just like is basically just like is into certain stuff maybe he's autistic to a certain degree then when it doesn't do anything for him anymore he just moves on yeah Yeah. and it's very like final that's it Mm -hmm. yep and that's a great character fuck he's a great character and I don't say that very easily he's probably my favorite in the whole thing definitely Charlie I like identify like I said I identified with but at certain point he's like just a such such a sad sack it gets just annoying it's like ah Jesus yeah, He's like oh, I'm fat and bald, like the whole fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he definitely he was fat and bald. Though. Well, we I mean, get he, it. he made himself very pathetic. Also, like, there's the Judy Greer scene where, like, he's like, "Oh God, what a cringe fest!" Where he's like uh, at, at a diner, and she's like, "She's like, oh, I'm going to give you an extra big piece of key lime pie." Oh, and he's like, God. "Oh, she must like me." Yeah, yeah like, that's. And it's like, oh. uh, <laughs> do, do you want to go to the, this flower show with me? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Hey, 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 hey Katie. <laughs> at the beginning of the film and it's uh it takes up a, a a good portion of the first act he's courting this uh, british violinist or is she a violinist or what yeah i believe she was yeah. yeah and um takes her to several like parties and stuff and like she's clearly showing that she's interested in mm. him and like to a like painful degree and he like just like cucks out every fucking time like she she gives him an in uh like pretty much the like oh like you want to come in come for inside, coffee yeah. yeah and he's like oh immediately and without even hesitating as if he was ready to say it all along says it's been a lot of work to do uh, yeah i gotta go back <laughs> I, I need to get i need to get a good night's rest this is screenplay is really like uh this is really um, taking really it out of me I, i'd like to interject with i've totally <laughs> done something similar but i realized how dumb it was later i took a girl out uh to the movies and then afterwards she was like oh i have like an hour to kill and i was like well what are we gonna do go to my apartment and then watch a movie like that doesn't make any sense i fucking how could you not i cucked myself (laughs) that's insane i would never have missed that i thought about it after the fact Wow. I didn't think I would know anyone who... I think you told me that before, and I had the same reaction, by the way. Yeah. To be be fair, I wasn't actually, like, really interested in the girl. Well, then that's different. Then you're saying to me you consciously said, Mac. I'm saying I could have, but I kind of unconsciously said Mac, because I probably would have given the chance again. Fair enough. But I'm just saying I've been there. You subconsciously rejected this woman. 
Yeah, you know what? She had too many fucking freckles, and I didn't fucking like it. <laughs> I understand. I'm not a freckle guy myself. No, you know what's weird, too, is she was like a black Irish with too many freckles. I didn't even... My mind couldn't wrap itself around that. Yeah, especially that I have an overabundance of freckles. I don't even want to know, because there's not a lot on your face. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, here... Okay. <laughs> Look, look at me. I thought you meant you said like a freckly no, look, ball look, I'm sack. Fucking, I'm fucking covered, dude. Looks, I have like a lot. The oh. only thing I ever pointed out was your star-shaped mole. Which is still because, there, baby. Because you're a star. I know. You're right. Um, speaking of star-shaped moles. Um, no. Um, <laughs> no. Speaking of stars. Um, so that whole arc occurs where he is like basically just ruins his chances with this nice woman who clearly liked him for his mind, by the way, and would give her give him all kinds of compliments about how he's a genius writer and shit. And um, he kind of gets just like obsessed with like fleeting ideas of like you know, like I said, with the waitress. Yeah. And uh, he even like fan- fantasizes about like his agent. He basically just daydreams about every woman he, that passes by is like, oh, what if we fucked? That'd be great. And then yeah. it's just like him daydreaming, but then Donald like waking him up mid wet dream. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, I got an idea for my screenplay. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Get out of here, Donald. <laughs> Yeah, and um, and throughout this time, uh, where he's getting more incre- increasingly uh, frustrated with his lack of uh, progress on the script, um, his brother is uh, getting chipping away, and he also starts going to Robert McKee uh, screenwriting seminars, which is a real guy, by the way, Robert McKee. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's played by the guy from Brian Cox. Rush- yeah, Brian Cox from Rushmore. Through this whole time, he just keeps on, like, he's coming closer and closer to his deadline, and his agent keeps on giving him shit that's, uh, that, like, you guys, you've been dragging these people along, like, you need to show them something. Oh, yeah, Ron Livingston. Yeah. So he goes, like, he goes to his, I like the scene where he goes to his agent's office, and he's like, yeah, I fucked her up the ass. <laughs> he's like, no, I didn't, but I, 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 I could. Yeah, I would. <laughs> no, that's what agents are like. It was just, like, a really humorous, like, uh... He's just talking about fucking everybody up the ass. He doesn't yeah. say, like, butt fuck or, like, have anal. It's like, no, I'm gonna fuck her up the ass. Hell yeah. That's a true <laughs> Chad. But, you know. The movie is the movie is as if the person who's writing in the movie actually made that movie mm-hmm. and it right. was done. Right. Eventually, uh, he meets it misses another deadline, and Ron Livingston says to him, "Like you got to do something." And then, so he says, "Okay, could you arrange a meeting for us?" Uh, between me and Susan Orlean, which he just had a jack-off uh, fantasy about right, <laughs> right. before previous oh, to this Oh, my goodness. I wanted to talk about this. What? He has the like the whole like uh, sex fantasy with Meryl Streep's character. And then he, like, he gets, like, the book cover and, like, looks at the, like, the back sheet with a picture of her. And, yeah, like, the puts portrait it, of the author. Puts it next to her and it's, like, has some pillow talk with the book. <laughs> and it reminds me of our very great film, A Lover's Spat. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that, yeah. Scott and Michael Connolly. <laughs> why, why don't you read my book? <laughs> you make me feel young again. Why didn't you read my book? That's right, I know you didn't read my book. You better apologize. I don't feel your tongue in my mouth. <sighs> Michael, that was amazing. You make me feel young again. You went so bad yourself. Big boy. Big boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Michael Connolly, the author, talks, by the way. Oh, obviously. Like a black man. Cle- <laughs> Clearly. He's having pillow talk with like the, the, the back picture of the author. Yeah. I just want to make a good book for you, a good movie for you. <laughs> also, okay, we also should talk about Nicolas Cage's acting, which is, like, serviceable, but it works for the movie. This, yeah. This is one of 
This is like it's not like he did good, but it works for the movie. This is no, this is one of his best That's movies. Sad, then this is one of his still like best movies. It's he's the most, like overacting every line. Like it's the most one of the most believable characters yeah. he's ever had. Well, in you movies. know what it is is that he plays two different characters, right. so it's like you see him contrasting, and you know he's capable of a range of things, mm-hmm. but like neither of them are good. You know what I mean? They're kind of overacting ish, mm-hmm. like a little bit. But like at the same time, like together though, it's good. Yeah, this is and it works. This is proof that if you have the right director, you right. know, you can, you know, do he can, bad he can, acting. Can. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I mean also that's the truth for um, a lot of the fucking John Cusack shit and fucking being John Malkovich. A lot of his shit is really overacted in that. Remember that? I it's been that, a long time. It's been a long time since I've, I've seen it too, but. I seem to remember him being pretty overacty in it as well. I mean, for someone like Nicolas Cage, that's like his yeah. acting is overacting. Yes. Yeah. So it works. It, regardless of what I was saying, regardless of any all of that, it works for this This film. was subtle and nuanced by, uh, by Nicolas Cage, Cage standards. standards. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good, too. And again, I didn't say this before, and I know Marshall's in Brazil right now, but we ha- I had him over on Saturday to watch it and uh, he fucking sat normally when we watch movies with Marshall he just talks the whole time or like goes on has like six cigarette breaks yep and he'll, or he'll um, like be like watching like Julia play video games <laughs> and like be like do this do this <laughs> Uh, but he sat there fucking glued to the screen this entire movie and he'd seen it before but I don't think he'd appreciated it it's, it's funny because it's like if you would if you would say like what movie is Marshall gonna pay attention to this wouldn't be the one. Yeah, probably not. If I was polled, yeah, yeah I don't think I'll, I'll take the, the family feud challenge with that. But. <laughs> yeah, this is like a low answer. Steve Harvey would laugh at you for even suggesting it's on the board. So he gets he gets arranged with Ron Livingston to go meet Susan Arlene, and he goes up to the floor of the New Yorker, and is too much of a chicken to get out of the. Uh, elevator. Yeah, he's actually in the elevator, and she walks in, and he like knows to say something to her. He, he tries yeah. to say something to her, and, he's, <laughs> and yeah, then he's, just doesn't say anything. Rides it down he with it. Pretty her. much just says, uh, "Give me a double cheeseburger." Blech. Blech. And uh, so yeah, at that point, he calls up Donald to be like, oh, "Hey, hey, hey, Donald! <laughs> hey, Donald! <laughs> Ride my skateboard over." And uh, could you? He I like asked how him, this is what we're going with it. <laughs> kind of is that character though, but um, but yeah, no. He uh, calls up Donald and asks him to come and pose as him to interview Susan Orlean. I mean, right. is it important to say that that his character arc, the way it is now, is that? Oh yeah, his, we a- mention his, that. his uh his agent got his scripts. Um, from Charlie, and he he's actually just, like, "Oh, this is really good." He also just went on the set of being John Malkovich and picked up the uh, makeup girl as his girlfriend. Yeah, like with no with before he had. Well, yeah, the the whole thing. That was is, just because he's an outgoing guy. Exactly, yeah. he's an outgoing guy versus Charlie, who's a complete introvert and right. like a loser and like self-loathing. Yeah. Donald is like really like shoving it in Charlie's face that he's a fucking loser and like having girls over and all that. He's stuff. He's not shoving it in his yeah, face. Unintentionally. Unintentionally. Yes. He's yes. living but, his but life. But that's how Charlie feels is that he's getting it shoved in his face and well, is miserable about it. Well, maybe that he should fucking deal with his own things then. I know. And then about this time also he runs back into the English violinist who has like a new boyfriend. A new boyfriend who's like a fat piece of shit. Um. <laughs> 
And um, so you're now see she didn't have very exacting standards in the first right, place. Right, exactly. So definitely could have. And also, like, Charlie is attainable. <laughs> right. But then Charlie is just like, whoa, we gotta go. Yeah. I know. He's a bitch. Too many cheeseburgers. He sucks. He has too many <laughs> cheeseburgers. He's basically a doubly unprofessional person. <laughs> His brother writes a successful script, so he's on the up while Charlie's on the down. He's right. definitely on the down, especially being that he's got the pressure from his agent. So now Charlie's at the point where he's gone from just totally dismissing what Donald's doing as just being, you know, you know, totally he almost admires frivolous. him at this point. Yeah, he, he's all, he's actually, like, soliciting him to help him with his script, with his adaptation. He asks him to come to New York to pick his brain about the script and also just go in his place for the meeting with Susan Orlean. I feel like it's important to mention, too, that um, he, like, completely looks down on his brother for being into those Robert McKee um, right. seminars, True. and then he ends up going to one while he goes he's to the Robert McKee thing and asks a question which he thinks is going to be, like, a stump you question, mm -hmm. which was, what was it? Like, what if you're making a what movie if, that nothing really happens? You want to make a movie where, like, yeah, nothing happens, nobody learns anything, there's no happy ending, and, yeah, and just in the end, like nobody really is is better and mckee goes like have you ever like experienced anything how <laughs> when does that ever happen which is actually a valid criticism yeah mm. he, well, i guess you're right you could still write a movie that's good that doesn't he basically that makes fun of the whole movie in that like quick little snippet that whole thing in the in the seminar is like making fun of the whole movie he also talks about how voiceovers are lazy way yeah. to say yeah, that which is what characters consistently are thinking, throughout which is the, the whole film. movie right yeah. right he's he says which is true also by the oh, way yeah. voiceovers he, are fucking hat he explains that basically this whole mo uh whole movie is like lazy and there's nothing really happening self-indulgent yeah, well, that's the thing about. And he also like, foreshadows towards the end after he meets up with him to go get a drink after the seminar. He talks to him and he reads his script and he said, "You know what? You really need. It doesn't matter that you have all these false starts in in here and everything, as long as you have a good ending." Yeah, which is literally how the movie this ties movie. together. Yes, that was one of the more unbelievable things in the movie. While yeah, I this think is this when the is, movie starts slipping into fantasy. Uh, this is this is where it's like. <laughs> This, as far as a Nick Cage movie, this is, like, pretty believable, the characters and everything. And then this was like, oh, you know, like, I was the asshole that talked to you during the seminar. And he's just like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go to the bar. Let's get a drink. I, well, he was I think I, I need think the drink. guy, Robert McKee, is not, like, a super, like, celebrity kind of guy. And, like, he's probably hard up for cash to the point where if someone was buying him drinks, he would it, go It just him. seemed like the... The first, like, kind of no, unbelievable it's, it's thing. It's a fucking goodwill hunting scenario. Right. This is the point in which the movie starts slipping into fantasy, whereas the beginning is completely grounded in reality. And also, throughout this time, the, the subplot with LaRoche and uh, Susan Orlean is starting to slip into fantasy. In this time, actually around this exact time in the film, Susan Orlean actually flies down to LaRoche and says, can we go look for uh, the orchid, ghost orchid, the ghost orchid, and he takes her in there and is immediately like clearly is an idiot and doesn't know anything about like finding his way in the swamp. Yeah, he keeps her getting lost, and he's like, "No, I know where we are." And he like built, he like tries to build a sundial, which just doesn't work. <laughs> like, why are you trying? Like, wouldn't you just know if it's AM or PM? Uh, why wouldn't you just bring a fucking compass? There's a number of At things. At least you that... know like which way is northwest and which way is southeast. He, what does he know? He doesn't have any teeth. And so at this point, uh, Susan is like starting to be like, oh, this guy's his obsessions 
or whatever. There's not some sort of mis- yeah. pseudo mystical quality to it. He have all the answers I'm looking for. Right. And um, at this point, it completely slips away from reality. And um, so anyway, this is when Donald goes and meets with her. In place of Charlie because Charlie's Charlie goes, too nervous. Yes. And he goes in and um, asks her a bunch of really fucking hack interview <laughs> questions like who would you have dinner with? Yeah. Uh, if you had the choice, which by the way, Gabe brought to the show, if you can remember. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Gabe. Thanks, Donald. That wasn't even thanks a good Donald. bit either. But uh, I heard it on another podcast, and it was good. And it wasn't too. It was. It was who you'd hang out with. Man, get heaven. the fuck out of here, Donald. Okay, Donald. <laughs> Granny puss. <laughs> what? What's on the episodes you weren't here for? Um, he senses that she's lying. Yeah, she's given like the most cliche answer. Yeah, possible. and actually, also the answers, the personal questions about like LaRoche and stuff seem stilted, and mm-hmm. they didn't seem like they were authentic answers. Yeah, she's giving the answers she thinks she should give. Yeah, she's like, well, it was just uh, it was really interesting book subject, and once the book ends, that's the end of that. Yeah, and so like, no, you wanted to fuck him. We read the book. Yeah, and so Donald and Charlie start stalking her, basically. In order to find out further information. She's uh, crying and talking on the phone and uh, making a ticket purchase to uh, Florida in the town that LaRoche is from. And so they spy this and then they decide to buy a ticket to go down there to follow her. And they follow her all the way to LaRoche's actual house in Florida. And it's, it's funny that they go all the way. Pretty much the only... I mean, they had the clues from the book, but the only thing they're going on is like... Yeah, that was a really bullshit answer with the Einstein question. Let's stalk her. Yeah. Like I said, this is where it starts to tip off, tip you off that it's in fiction land. So they get on there, and um, and Charlie decides to be Mister Balls now because he's like starting to feel like cucked by his brother and his in his own story, which is like kind of like you're kind of almost as a viewer like being like, all right, finally this dude is like doing something. Stepping up. This is, so this is also when they start having a lot more like both of them on screen at the same time. Right. And they're starting to reconcile their differences as well. Charlie gets balls up and fucking uh, heads over to like where they're hanging out. Happens to be uh, spying through the window when they're using Um, uh, the ghost uh, ghost orchid orchid derivative drug, which is completely fictional by the (laughs) way. Um, Scott looked into it. He was he was pretty interested. No, I mean, come on. Do you really yeah, think drugs come from orchids? They're just like, they're snorting orchids. Yeah. Well, you need to get the drugs and the sex into the story. Yeah, which is something that fucking Donald, Donald exactly. was talking about. Charlie jokingly suggested, in the way that he suggested that uh, deconstructionist thing to Donald, that 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 would be the final finale of his film. That they're making it into a drug, and mm-hmm. then and he's like. Like, no, that's kidding, Donald. Like that, yeah, that's too stupid. Yeah. yeah, the movie like makes fun of itself throughout. I know that's yeah. why it's fucking awesome. But um, so yeah, they're taking a orchid drug. Charlie is caught. Uh, Charlie spying catches. On them. Yeah, being a peeping tom. Yeah, and so uh, immediately Susan Orlean heel turns and is like, "No, we have to kill him." Yeah, I thought thought that was so fucking weird. Cause it's fake. She was just so like instantly like, "Fuck, gotta kill him." I know, and, and LaRoche is actually shown as being the sympathetic one, or like at least the meek one. My favorite, want to my favorite moment is after they bring him in the house and they realize that he's the guy who's ad- adapting the book, and then like he, com- John, completely like turns like like so, tail, like, oh, and, he, and he's like nice shaking his hand, you. and he's like completely yeah, I naked. I think I should play yeah. me in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's like my, one of my favorite moments in the movie. I really like that too. Yeah. yeah. 
And then she's like, oh, no, we have to kill him. She so, can't know that I do drugs and cheat on my husband. Yeah. So basically, she, uh, they uh, take Charlie in in, a, in the truck, uh, uh, LaRoche's van, actually, and has them uh, drive out to the... Why do they take the two cars? I, I guess I, mean, I guess you could assume that they're going to leave his car by the side of the road after they kill oh, him. Oh, so he looked like he was eaten. Yeah, or, or something. Killed, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shot I don't, himself or something. Do they yeah. take the two cars? Cause I, yeah, because I, uh, John's driving the truck behind, and then um, uh, Charlie's Char- driving and his then, car, and she's in the car with uh, Susan's in the also, car with him. And Donald's hiding, hiding in the back. And, yes, yes. Uh, so pretty much it's just a plot device in order to get Donald over there. I'm assuming that's really right. the reality of it. Which, by the way, the movie at this point has thrown all finesse out the window. Yes, yes. And it's actually like almost like... It's as if Donald has taken over writing. Donald wrote the... Also, again, the the movie and the, the opening and ending credits is as written by Charlie and Donald Kaufman. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. So yeah, so it's basically as if Donald has basically become picked up the script at this point because Charlie ran out of ideas, <laughs> and so he comes with them, and um, they're out in the. I don't know what happens. Like Donald jumps out and spooks him, and then the, him and Charlie are able to run off into the muck. Yeah, yeah they run off in the swamp, and then they're like able to they spend the night hide with, out. Uh, for a little they're bit. able to hide in like a bush, which which doesn't make sense. They'd eventually find them, but um, they hide in a bush the whole night, and uh, and uh, Orlean and Laroche are like hunting the whole night till the sun comes up. During which the time that Charlie and uh, and Donald have their like denouement, denouement. Is that what it is? I think you pronounce it how they pronounce it in the movie, and then and then Charlie said it's not how it's pronounced. Yeah, that's yeah, denouement. Yeah, but he correctly says it. French is gay. It is, but I know it's the <laughs> film term. But look, that, just so you know, I used the term right. You did. Yeah. So what the fuck does that mean? I've never heard that before. It's like after the character resolution, basically. Right. It's resolution after the climax. Yes. Oh, I gotcha. Thank you. I didn't go to film school. <laughs> yeah. But at least I know my shit. I might as well have. Motherfucker. Motherfuckers. Jesus Christ, that head shake you should have put up. <laughs> I became a black woman for a second. I know she didn't. But you're, yeah, a you're, you're a double person. unprofessional person. I'm doubly unprofessional, and this is not okay. You're, you're full Marshall. We should continue this. I now. went it's full Marshall. No, that's a meme. That's a bit from the show from now on. Yeah. <laughs> you're doubly unprofessional. Oh, you're an unprofessional person. It's going to be anytime we're talking about a black person. person of the unprofessional persuasion. <laughs> 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 All right. Anyway, but yeah. So so we could wrap this up. They're they're in the final conflict. <clears throat> they they come- have their they have their full character resolution in which in which Charlie just mystically just like suddenly gets over his fear of women too, and because after like basically a low budget like pep talk from Donald, and um, after he that he sees the arrow in his way. Also, throughout the movie, um, they kept alluding to "Happy Together." Yes, yeah, uh, Donald. Donald, would sing Donald that. was obsessed with the song, and it's a good um, song. I like it is that a good song. song. It's a good the song, turtles, of yeah. yeah. And then he actually sings it to fucking Charlie, and they as sing it together, and that's like the really when their characters are like become friends. As Donald is dying from having been shot, he, he's oh, been before, shot. Oh, before sang he sang it the night before too. I thought. Yeah, he does. Oh, did he? he He's been shot. Then they get in the car to run away, and then he gets ejected from the car. The ranger that he struck, which ejected Donald in the car. So yeah, they're arrested, taken away, fictionally. And um, at not that for point, real, though. Yeah, no, not for real. 
And uh, I wish Meryl Streep was fucking arrested. Oh, oh she I, just trumped. I, I don't like just her. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So after that point, it goes back to pseudo reality in which he's back in L.A. And uh, what what really? That's when he meets with the, uh, he runs the violinist the English, girl. The English he runs into again. the violinist girl. Finally is able to confess his After love. After his talk with Donald, by the way, which yeah. is so just so funny that it fits so neatly like that. Yeah, of course. She he 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 puts on the moves and then says, I love you. And she goes, I love you too, but why would you do this to me right now? Yeah. My boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't care. And this he goes, by the way, very self-servingly goes like, Oh, this is a perfect ending for my movie. Yeah. <laughs> that fucking self-serving piece of shit. I have to get home and write it. And then his last line is I think that Gerard Depardieu should play me. <laughs> which is fucking hilarious. Uh, and then it ended up being Nick Cage, I guess, which is hysterical. But um, yeah, that's the movie, folks. Um, I let's get some uh, some numbers and some closing thoughts on this film. Okay, let me just say that all of the character arcs are fulfilled, which is very rare for films these days, in my opinion. Yeah, it shouldn't it's rare be, for but... RPGs now. I know it's like we're, it's like you're playing Final Fantasy or something. <laughs> Where you get real character arcs. No, but uh, um, I, I like I said, it's a serviceable performance from uh, from Cage. I think and, I think you're being a little cruel on him. I mean, I'm sorry, he would not win any Oscars for that role. Like he has won an Oscar. Overacting like fuck. He has won an Oscar. I though. know it was his first role. <laughs> Pretty much. You're making me digress. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go. Right. Yeah, thanks, Marshall. Yeah. But, I think uh, David Arquette would have done it better. <laughs> you're right. You ever seen Evolution? I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> He's like, again, serviceable, but like it really works with the movie. Basically, again, I kept saying this while we were watching it with Marshall, who and he agreed, by the way. But uh, I was saying, wow, I fucking like this movie's so good. Like, I'm so like uh, surprised. Again, every time I rewatch it, too, I kind of like it a little more as well. Because you notice more shit, like I said, with the fucking aquarium hat and stuff. Okay, so I'm going to give it 8.75. Holy shit. Wow. I think that's that, the that highest. might be an all-time high. I think it's the best movie we've watched for this show. Which is not, again, saying a ton. I'm giving it that earnestly, and I don't take anything back. I like How often do I talk about this fucking movie? I love this movie. I didn't hear about it. Yeah, until no, we he suggested I watch so. this like years back. Oh yeah, yeah, probably like ten years ago at this point. Uh, easily, mm-hmm. I, I the person who showed it to me was Mike. I think. Oh really? Yeah, Mike. All right, Gabe. Um, well, I do, I do like this movie. Um, all the characters and everything are all believable, which is really crazy for a Nicolas Cage movie for him to have a believable <laughs> very, character. Very. Um, I feel like it's, it's, it's kind of too long and you don't, it's, while it is probably Nicolas Cage's best movie, technically everything considered like as a whole, it's not really a Nicolas Cage movie. Not at all. So (laughs) if you're like a fan of his, you might not even like this because the movie he's, or he's usually associated with are so like 
over the top and they're popcorn yeah, this isn't a movie you watch for Nicolas Cage no. no to see him doing his usual shtick exactly I mean even the, the the seminar guy like pokes fun at this movie too and I know it's self-aware right but I feel like there's a lot of stuff that could be trimmed out of this I feel like it's it is a little long it's, it's, it's got it a, is a bit long it's got a bit of fat on there it, I think it's around two hours um, a couple of the jack-off scenes could have been cut. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have minded not seeing those. <laughs> I mean, back to the Nicolas Cage thing, it's not like fun like his movies usually are. I love this. I don't I don't agree with that. Sometimes. Scott thinks it's fun. I, think I, it's I don't fun. think this is fun. I think it's Especially like, at the end where it's like becomes a fucking goofy cliche action movie. That's that's it. It's like all the movie is like just him being a self-loathing like piece of shit. And then the last 20 minutes is like where you get everything. Okay. Well, rewatch it and you'll probably feel differently, honestly. I also, I watched a, a bad fucking quality version, but I was like, I'm fucking too lazy to download another one. Yeah. So I will watch this again. Yeah. But if you go I, into... So it's safe to say it's over a five. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But if you go into this watching like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna get a goofy, like over-the-top Nicolas Cage performance, you're going to be very disappointed of that. Because no. it's not what it's going to be. This movie is like one of those Friday night, I'm done with the work week, I'm ready to get into something watches. Like I, when, I don't think so. It's kind of a bummer a little bit, you know? Well, it's like watching like Dr. Strangelove or something. Like It's like something you no want to watch. No way. I would, I would rate that much more highly than this. Yeah, I guess I have. I would, I would give that to 10. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't give it a 10. I, I can't think of a movie I would give a 10. That would be it, if anything. You think you'd give that movie a 10? I think I'd give Dr. Strangelove a 10. Yeah. Well, Doctor Strangelove and it's 10 aside, I think I'm going to give this, I'm going to give it like a 6.5, probably deserves better than that, but I guess, like I said, I think I watched a shit quality version, so I think it really took away from it. I Again, and I said this when I gave my number, but I feel like every time I watch it, I like it more. Yeah, so maybe I'll like it more next time, yeah. I don't know. I feel, I feel like this... And along with happiness, it's like it didn't have any like technical aspects where I was like, this is lacking or someone specifics um, acting that I really didn't like or anything. It's just like, I don't know, kind of bummer movies. It, it's it a kind downer. Of, it kind well, of bummed me out downer, a little bit. Yeah. So maybe if I watch it again and you did pick up a lot of subtext, even the him just laying on the floor is like yeah. subtext that you wouldn't think of. But yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of have to walk a tightrope with this because I... I'll say I like this movie, but I have sort of mixed feelings about it overall. I'll, I'll say I'll say good things first. All the performances work, I feel. And I feel that overall, the movie works in terms of the story it's telling. It's nuanced, you know. There's a lot to it, and I think it does warrant uh, multiple viewings. But at the same time, there are things about it that I wouldn't ever pop this movie on myself. Like, I, I wouldn't ever just be like, oh, I want to watch a movie just to enjoy myself. I'm going to put on adaptation. It's 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 not going to be my go-to. And it's not because it's a bad movie. It's just because, I don't know. Do you think There's it something... kind of goes with what I'm saying where it's like, it's not it's not a fun movie. It's depressing. But I love movies that aren't, aren't fun. That aren't fun. pleasant. Yeah. So... I don't know, it, it, but it, it, I think it's something about the the way it does that, like, unpleasant, kind of uncomfortable comedy. It's like, it doesn't, maybe doesn't go far enough. I can see that criticism easily. Yeah, like, like most things in this movie don't make me laugh out loud. There are things that do, but they're kind of few and far between. And 
I like the um, the plot between Charlie and Donald That's a the lot a lot more than I, like, the LaRose whenever part. I'm whenever I'm watching uh, you know the John and and, and Susan stuff I'm kind of just like I tune out a little bit I find Meryl Streep I think she's a good actress but I find her character so unlikable in this I agree and I, I find LaRoche La being like LaRoche is fun but like at the same time it's like basically what Charlie says in it he's like a funny character but like there's not much yeah. there he's yeah he's a little little throwaway I, in terms I, of he's just kind of I feel like you throw a streep in something and I'm immediately not going to like it as yeah. much as I also think Again, I have to agree with you with this. I fucking hate, like, I, well, I don't, like, hate her, but, like, she's just, like, plays such hateable characters. You, you just, mentioned Kramer versus Kramer, and that's my first, like... Literally, when I think of Meryl Streep, I think of Kramer versus Kramer. That's the, the first thing I remember from her, too. Yeah. So, I, I like, I like, she's my natural enemy. Yeah. <laughs> that that wow. movie makes you fucking hate her. Go so, ahead. yeah, for, for those reasons, um... I would give it a 6.5, which feels a little low because I want to give it a right? 7, but it's like, I feel like if a movie's a 7, I would have to be, it would have to be a movie that I would like go out of my way to like, you know, pop on and, know. and watch. I call you call that an eight? So, you, so if I, you think if I give it a seven, yeah, I'm, I mean, like, how many movies? Fits my I'm with you, man. I'm giving it like how a 6.5. I'm going to give it, I even thought that I'm going to give it low. a 6.85. Oh I shit! I feel like or a six point seven five would even be higher than a six point five. It's a it's a well made. Uh, I can't say well acted. Nicholas Cage is in it. Yeah, but uh, hey. the, I, I, like I said I before, the performances they all work. Yeah, and they all you know yes. suit suit the characters that they're portraying, and I think it is. But I mean, ultimately, you're watching a, a movie. It's about adapting a novel that shouldn't have been made into a film. Right. And so the he, movie is all about how it shouldn't be made into a film. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it works in that sense. Actually, it's fucking f- hilarious. Well, it's Cage writing a screenplay about how he, like, basically loves Streep, who's writing a book about how he loves fucking LaRoche. Yeah, exactly. I love when Gabe goes into his talking points. <laughs> what? <laughs> he picks up I his phone and you can see like he really, like put thought into his like into I wrote the it down so I'd have it. But from man. his delivery you can practically see the cue cards. Yeah. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, guys. I fucking try. I show up. I'm trying to be professional. You can see him writing it down and moving his lips as he writes it. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> when he read it he had his finger going along. <laughs> Alright, well. He, he put a bookmark up to his phone. <laughs> <laughs> now he's sitting down now to pee. Now he's sitting down to pee. <laughs> All right. Tinkle, so. tinkle, tinkle goes his belt. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, six six point eight five. I wish I could give it higher, but I understand, and I it may be that I have a personal connection to this. Yeah, it's totally a personal thing. It's I like know. it's I like, know it's criticism. I understand. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just that I don't connect with this movie that much, even though I should. You should. It's about yeah. screenwriting. Yeah. <sighs> And know. also self-loathing. I'm, I'm We're the, the kings of oh, self-loathing. Oh, I know, I know. You and I are the are the two um, where I, like as if if there was like an emperor of self-loathing and he had two twin sons, he would Maybe have trouble else. deciding who would get the crown. Yeah, exactly. Because we would both be uh, such self-loathers. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah. If you described this movie to me and I hadn't seen it, I would be you like, "That's it was, probably yeah. gonna be one of my favorite movies." I know. I know. 
Yeah, I don't know. But, um, yeah, no, no, no. Can it's I fine. Say? I understand. Uh, I'll always have a soft spot. And I, actually, you guys both mentioned that you wouldn't throw this movie on. I literally throw this movie on. Yeah, you said it's your Friday night go-to. Yeah, so. it's like Jesus, how Christ. often I... I can't th- see that at all. It's my fucking casino. Like, I put on casino as often as I put this movie on. Wow. And yeah. I, I would put on Goodfellas before I put on Casino. That's, so would I, well, but... Well, for what it's worth, I would also put Goodfellas on before Casino, and I would also put maybe Fargo on before I would put Doctor Strangelove. Like, there's movies that I still consider, like, A-tier above where I put mm-hmm. where I put this. Where do we go from here, fellas? Um, I guess we'll get into Gabe's movie, Pitch of the Week. Oh, we're still doing it? I mean, I have a movie already, so... Yeah. Let's just do it. Okay. Doubly unprofessional person. <laughs> Unprofessional American. All right, let's hear these movie pitches. Again. Oh, okay, I didn't realize I'm you guys so were so excited. Oh, I see we're we're uh, getting off the black theme and going a completely different direction. This is called NYPD Jew. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's say. So, who's the main character? Who's a good Jew? I could name a few, but I don't want to. I, I, I have one off the top of my head that I'm thinking of, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go another way because I've definitely used. Can them I as guess a main who character. it might be? Sure, Jeff Goldblum. No, no, that's that's not a bad one though. <laughs> so uh, Ben Stiller is. Um... <laughs> is he a Hasidic? Is he a? He's not. My a idea. Kid. My idea was that he was a Hasidic detective. Hasidic detective, kind of like oh, Hebrew Hammer. Watch that! Oh my god, I've never watched Hebrew Hammer. Isn't that well, like if he's like he's a like Hasidic superhero in that? Like, yeah, or like a black exploitation. I was thinking more of like a and like more of like I was a, thinking uh, gritty crime drama. Right, I was thinking more of like a um, Law and Order, but for right. Jews, where he solves all all crimes that are only perpetrated against Jewish people. <laughs> of course, Ben Stiller could be a serious actor in that movie. I think it'd be fucking hilarious. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to nudge you towards anything, but yeah. I mean, kind of just did, dude. <laughs> Too could, late. How could you? Yeah. Who would you? Who would you picture in this? Uh, I didn't actually think of it enough, but I Ben Stiller works fine. Works just. fine. I literally just googled Jewish actors. <laughs> first one where I was like, yeah, okay, I can see that. <laughs> Why wouldn't Jerry Stiller be first then? He's old as shit. Are you kidding me? Well, I know, but he was he sired Ben Stiller. So I'm going to pick his dad because All right, he whatever. Had him. That's not you the want a cheap point. knockoff? <laughs> He's the original. So Ben Stiller's new on the beat, uh fresh to the NYPD police department. Um he's a he's an investigator strictly of crimes perpetrated on Jewish um men and women. Oi, hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, when they perpetrate uh, crimes on the women, uh, they do it through a sheet. <laughs> oh, God. He leads on a, on a big investigation, which he actually comes to find out is um, actually the Jewish mafia trying to cover up. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. I think you just thought we were gonna like lose our shit over. Jewish no, mafia. I thought I thought you I thought you would kind of hop in on it. The, well, I mean, there was the a Jewish, Jewish mafia ma- in Drive. Remember? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> The Jewish Mafia. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Come on, cough something up. Come on, Marshall does it. No, Actually, I, last week he didn't. But. He finds out that the, that the Jewish Mafia is trying to cover up the murder of a rabbi. Because he sucked the baby's dick. Yeah, Screen which is a real thing. by Donald Kaufman. Yeah. <laughs> Gabe is Donald. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with this one. 
All right, here we go. Sorry, I, I gave you everything I had there. Dog fuck McGee. <laughs> Couldn't think of anything. Well, I'm not going the obvious route because we're not making a movie about bestiality. Why not? Why aren't we? Name the great bestiality film. That's true. Yeah. It's, un, it's untapped uh, market. Let me find a lead role in that. Who so would fuck a dog enough. that you can think of? Crispin Glover. Yeah, man. That's perfect. He definitely would fuck a he, dog. Yeah. Would. Has. Will. <laughs> Again. You know what's funny? If you look up, I just looked up creepy actors. Crispin Glover. Glover. That's the first result. That's well, that's awesome. Crispin Glover. Thanks, Google. <laughs> okay, Google. That's really funny. <laughs> uh, so Crispin Glover is from. Come up with a stupid town name. It's it's gonna be. Wellesley. <laughs> what Wellesley? Wellesley. You gotta pronounce it that way. Yeah. He, uh, he's from Wellesley, um, <laughs> Kentucky. <laughs> Yeah, go on. And he's actually a dog walker slash dog sitter. <laughs> he actually sits on the dogs. He actually sits on the dogs, <laughs> 69 style. Um, he's a uh, dog walkers of uh, the the well uh, well off, and he takes them and, and molests. Them. I don't know how much more I can do with it. Why does he do it? Though? Is he Irish? That might, might have something to do with the fact that he's like part leprechaun or something. <laughs> <laughs> McGee. The, these these dogs are clearly after his pot of gold. <laughs> wow. He has some grand illusions that that's that's why that's why he does it. It's it's a sick twisted fantasy. Hmm. We all have a few of those. All right. I'm gonna go NYPD Jew. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Dogfuck McGee just... <laughs> it's just kind of shit the bed. To go with I, I, as much as I want to see that on a billboard, I don't think we will. I don't want to watch the movie. I do. NYPD Jew seems like the more marketable option. Yeah, yeah I'd have yeah. to go that way too. But, um... Okay, good, okay give it the plugs. Um, you can catch us at uh, Facebook slash Cinemapocalypse now. Um, you can hear us streaming live at... Um, not live. That'd be cool though. Maybe one day. Anchor.fm uh, slash Cinemapocalypse Now. Catch us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Spotify. Spotify, all that mammer jammers. You can also uh, sponsor us monthly with a donation. It will never happen. But you could. <laughs> but you could. It's possible. Um, go ahead and email us at uh, CinemaPocalypseNow at gmail.com um, if you want to give any uh you know um, episode ideas movie ideas for marshall interesting or if you have a question we'll actually just I'll answer it on the show if you know of any interesting suicide methods yes please but we'll, we'll or take just, them to heart we're or, all about that or just let us know that someone's out there and listening yeah um i feel alone yeah kind of like too. But um, I just want you to know that uh, if you are listening to the show and you're not feeling great, we're right there with you, bro. <laughs> um, we probably, love you, man. Probably still an airplane, I guess. Yeah. But also, um, I don't know. Maybe take the creativity that we, uh, that we uh, squander on this show and take it to make the world a better place. But if not, I mean, if you're willing to just squander all that creativity, it's very easy. All you do is you take a gun and you put the the gun against your head and you just pull the trigger. Because um, is it really worth living anymore? No, I don't think so. So 
Just kill yourself. Thank you. Good night. A boy who don't like baseball is a little bit yeah. The man of 12 voices. <laughs> the man of 24 voices. <laughs> Scott sits down and he pees. Aretha Frank- Franklin's up to 15 now. now that Aretha she's Franklin. That's Aretha. I know, I've, I flubbed it and you have to jump down my throat. I didn't jump down your throat for fucking mispronouncing that French word. Well, you didn't know, did you? No, I didn't know either. Silver bush 